I'm Mike Tater with Tater Farms in Inez, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, USDA's planted acreage report shows a big increase in U.S. corn acreage and a drop in cotton acres. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. There's been a big jump in sorghum acres statewide, including here in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. Row crops are looking good for Southeast Texas farmers as the harvest time is approaching. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have a report at a field day and comments from a Wharton County farmer on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan in Marshall and summertime's here. I know you all know that. Holidays are here. I know you know that. Watermelons for the 4th of July are not going to be here. But hey, they'll be here a little bit later on and they'll be delicious when they do. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA released its June planted acreage estimates report on Friday, and it shows corn planted acreage here in 2023 estimated at 94.1 million acres, up 6%. That's 5.5 million acres higher than last year, and it's the highest planted corn acreage in the United States since 1944. The all-wheat planted area for this year estimated at 49.6 million acres, up 9% from last year. The 2023 winter wheat planted area up 11% at 37 million acres. Cotton acreage for 2023 estimated at 11.1 million acres. That is down 19% from last year. We now have our first confirmed anthrax case in Texas this year. A hair sheep in Crockett County, southwest of Azona, has tested positive for anthrax. It is the first positive case of the bacterial disease in Texas this year. Anthrax is caused by a naturally occurring organism that livestock may ingest when eating grass or hay contaminated with the spores. After exposure to anthrax, it typically takes three to seven days for an animal to show symptoms. But once they start to show those symptoms, death usually occurs within 48 hours. In Texas, anthrax cases are most often found in an area between Uvalde, Ozona, and Eagle Pass. The Texas Animal Health Commission urges livestock owners in that area to vaccinate their livestock against anthrax. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
As we celebrate the 4th of July this week, One Animal Health Company is supporting Folds of Honor and its mission to provide scholarships for the children and spouses of armed service members who have paid the ultimate sacrifice or are disabled after serving our country. Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney is the founder of Folds of Honor and says he's happy to partner with Zoetis to accomplish this goal. Now we've awarded over 35,000 scholarships to spouses and children. It's $160 million in life-changing education. We're just so proud to be able to partner with great companies like Zoetis to allow people the opportunity to pay it forward, to say thank you for your freedoms in a positive way that's a force multiplier for these families, giving them the gift of an education, specifically in the agricultural and animal science fields where we empower these young men and women to go off and serve in this awesome industry. You can learn more about the work Zoetis is doing with Folds of Honor at bornofthebond.com. There has been a big jump in Texas sorghum acreage this year. James Hunt has the story from the High Plains. In the newly released acreage report, USDA estimates Texas farmers have planted 1.95 million acres of sorghum this season, a whopping 500,000 acre increase from last year. Beyond generally good economics for sorghum, there appear to be many factors behind this jump. Of course, most recently here in the Texas High Plains, sorghum picked up extra acres when farmers needed an alternative crop after heavy rains and other weather issues ended their plans to grow cotton. And Brent Bean of the Sorghum Checkoff says also contributing to an acreage increase in our area is more farmers switching to silage sorghum production. We've only been seeing that the last few years where those acres have just been creeping up as we just get less and less water or the ability to irrigate, you know, a full corn silage crop. And so uh, typically the silage sorghum just doesn't require as much water. Another possible reason for increased acres, Dr. Bean believes sorghum is gaining momentum due to the introduction in recent years of new herbicide technology hybrids that allow for better grass control. Now as the season moves forward, Dr. Bean offers this advice for Texas High Plains farmers on irrigation. Sorghum responds very well to timely irrigation and kind of the key times to be sure you're watering that sorghum where it's not stressing. It's going to usually be roughly, you know, 30 to 35 days after emergence. That's kind of when the size of that sorghum head is going to be determined, or if you will, the number of grain per head is determined right in that period. And so we don't want that plant to stress. So growers may want to kind of keep that in mind if they're splitting a circle with cotton or corn. Just kind of remember that one of the key irrigation times is going to be roughly 30 days after emergence. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. New technologies and seed varieties were on display at a recent field day in southeast Texas. Tom Nicoletti was there. My guest is Garrett Cherney. He is a corn and cotton farmer in Wharton County. Uh, he farms actually north of El Campo. And Garrett, uh, you were attending this field day in uh, Fort Bend County. What did you learn today? Why was it important for you to be here? We're just learning about the new technologies and varieties that are coming down the pipeline in corn and cotton. And basically seeing 
you know, how they're going to perform for us in the future. Certainly the uh, test plots out here are looking very, very good. What uh, have uh, your crops done uh, and how have they performed this year with uh, the excessive rainfall that uh, finally has uh, covered uh, uh, a number of regions in Texas? Our corn is looking really good this year. I, I think we're going to have very, very strong corn yields, uh, along with the milo in our area also. Cotton's kind of been a mixed bag. It's Started out with a lot of rain. Uh, we had some of the early cotton that we planted that made it. It looks really good. We have cotton kind of all over the board. There's cotton that has bowls on it to cotton that's just at Pinhead Square, you know, and that was due to the rains. You know, we had some replant that we had to do and ends that got flooded out, different things like that. But all in all, right now, the cotton has turned around and, and it is looking pretty good. We are getting a little bit dry, but we're starting to irrigate a little bit right now. All in all, I, th I think we're heading in the right direction on the cotton. So how long before harvest of these two crops for you? I would think on the corn, we'd probably start around mid-July. Cotton, the early stuff, probably mid to late August. And then the majority is probably going to be in September. A couple more key rains on the uh, cotton, I think we'll have some really good yields. It'll just be later than usual for harvest. That is Garrett Cherney. He is a farmer in Wharton County in southeast Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Spring storms have caused a lot of disruption to northeast Texas agriculture. James Duncan has an update from Marshall. In the East Texas area, the last couple of weeks have really been rough, and we moved into summertime, and it was summertime. There wasn't no ifs, ends, or betweens, but I'll tell you what, we are proud that spring of 2023 has gone on its way. With everything we've had a couple of weeks ago, it caused lots of damage. We already actually had already had some programs planned and things to talk about here, but it all changed. Uh, when that uh, storm moved three a couple of weeks ago, and farming has been disrupted, and I've talked to several that have lost corn crops uh, yeah, as a result of all that went, went on. They're out there making pictures right now of the damage done on the farms. The second cutting of hay was expected this weekend, so hopefully we'll be able to stay clear where we can get that done because we'd already been behind on those first cuttings. Most of the people that got a cutting, though, and refertilized have got a forage ready to cut due to all the moisture that we had. That grass still kept growing. Now, if they did not fertilize, it's going to be another week or 10 days before they can get a good cutting as far as uh, their hay is concerned. Now, with the storms that moved through, the timber damage has uh, increased over the last uh, uh, times that we have been reporting. Watermelons, as I said, they're slow and going to continue to be so here for another week or two. But when they get here, they always are delicious. The peach crop is doing very well at the present time, though. We talked to some producers there. They're getting their peaches in and getting them shipped out right now. So all in all, we're still in pretty good shape, even though we still have people even two weeks out that uh, their, their electricity is uh, periodically in and out as we still are making repairs on the lines in this particular area. So we've got a hot summer ahead of us, though. We are expecting it to be that way, but it won't be any different than that has been before. James Duncan reporting from Marshall for Texas Ag Today. There is some good news in the fight to protect Texas lakes from invasive plants. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. 
And Arlington National Cemetery in Washington is suspending the use of horses in funeral processions. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I just want to stay informed while I'm on the go. News on the radio, it's nice because it's just a quick snippet and I don't have to go searching for it or grab a paper. I listen to radio because anywhere that I'm going, I'm listening to music or I'm listening to a talk show or I'm just trying to stay up on current events. I always turn into the radio to see if I need to take shelter or where it's hitting to see what I need to be preparing for. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Arlington National Cemetery in Washington is suspending the use of horses in funeral processions. Dr. Bob Judd tells why. The 3rd Infantry Regiment's Caisson Platoon typically takes part in eight military funerals per day at the National Cemetery, in which horses pull a caisson loaded with a casket. A caisson is a chest formerly used to carry ammunition, but has also been used to carry deceased soldiers off the battlefield since the 1800s. The use of horses was initially suspended for 45 days, but now the suspension will be a year to allow the unit's 27 horses time to rest and recover from injuries. The horses are now at a rehabilitation center for treatment of hoof, joint, and muscle injuries related to their ceremonial work at these funerals. An Army report last year showed military working horses were suffering from poor and potentially life-threatening living conditions. It is reported four of the horses died in the last two years, including two that had sand and gravel in their digestive systems. The Army indicated it has implemented several changes after removing the horses from duty by developing a lighter weight caisson and improving the design. The normal caisson weighs about 2,800 pounds without the casket, So this is a heavy load pulled by a team of horses. The Army also plans to acquire new horses, purchase better-fitting saddles and tack, hire new trainers and support staff, and increase access to pasture land. The other components of the military funeral will go on normally, such as the band, escort platoon, firing party, body bearers, and bugler. By this fall, it is planned for a horse with a rider to be leading the procession. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There is good news in the fight to protect Texas lakes from invasive plants. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is urging all boaters to remember to clean, drain, and dry their vessels and gear when leaving Texas lakes and rivers. Clean your watercraft and equipment, drain the water out of all receptacles, and allow it to dry completely. That helps reduce the likelihood that an invasive species like giant salvinia or zebra mussels will hitchhike on the vessel and infect another Texas lake. Speaking of invasive species, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is reporting some exciting news. They've discovered that some biological controls, like giant salvinia weevils, can be used to control the growth of giant salvinia. The plant was first discovered in Texas in 1998 in the Houston area. Giant salvinia has thick mats that cover the surface of a lake that can make water recreation virtually impossible, and it grows quickly. It can double its coverage area in just a week. 
But these weevils may help curb that spread. TPWD says adult weevils feed on the giant salvinia plant, creating holes in its leaves, and they feast on the fresh new growth. Larvae burrow through the plant stem, disturbing the plant's ability to move water and nutrients, eventually killing the plant. To combat the growing giant salvinia population in Texas, TPWD has worked to establish giant salvinia weevil populations on infected lakes. While the weevils were first thought to be susceptible to cold spells, TPWD reports that they saw adult weevils overwintering shortly after the winter storm in 2021. Some of those weevils were collected and are being raised now for future release. While those weevils are doing their part, you can do yours by cleaning, draining, and drying your boat and equipment when leaving lakes. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. All of the markets were closed on the 4th for the holiday, so we'll take a look back at how things wrapped up on Monday. That's coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I typically listen here at work, from my desk, on my way to work, in the morning. When we wake up, it goes on the radio. I can hear a song and be instantly transported back to a time in my life that I enjoy remembering. I think that's what I like listening to radio for, is just to stay informed on whether it's news, sports, new music, anything. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex moved in different directions as we moved into the July 4th holiday on Tuesday. In Monday's trade, August live cattle dropped 35 cents to close at 176.82. The October down 22, 179.32, with December live cattle down 10. 183.42. So live cattle were lower, but feeder cattle finished higher. August feeders up 32 cents, 247.90. September feeder cattle up 55, 251.37. With October feeders up 62 cents, 253.15. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on Monday, no sales. Last week's trade saw cattle here in Texas sell at 178 to 179. That is one to two dollars lower compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices higher Monday. Choice up a dollar one, three twenty eight seventy three. Select up a penny at two ninety three sixty four. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Russell Heller and family sell cattle in Lexington, Texas, on Saturday. They just happened to have a sale this last Saturday, and they will again next Saturday after the 4th of July holiday. Russell, how'd the sale go? Yes, sir. Had a good sale. 868 total head with 150 cows. Walk the pins with us, Russell. All the thinner packer cows, 60 to 85, and the better ones, 86 to 108. On the steering bull kids, 3 to 4 pounds, 170 to 310. 4 to 5 weights, 165 to 285. 5 to 6 weights, 160 to 265. Six to seven weights, one fifty-five to two thirty-five. Seven to eight weights, a dollar fifty to two twenty-five. On the average, three to four pounds, one fifty to two ninety. Four to five weights, one forty-five to two sixty-five. Five to six weights, one forty to two forty-five. Six to seven weights, one thirty-five to two fifteen. Seven to eight weights, one thirty to two o five. Good. Now we will sell this Saturday. 
Yes, sir. Go have a sale. Everybody's going to be buying. They came this week, said they're going to come back, and everybody will be in buying. Good deal. Do you know of anything coming already? Yes, sir, I do. One man's going to have 35 Charlotte cross calves off of his cows. They're going to probably weigh, uh, they're going to be big, 550 to 750. And one other guy's going to have 20 black calves. Well, it sounds like you got a great start to a great sale the Saturday after the 4th of July holiday. Russell Heller, Lexington Livestock, tell everybody how to contact you, please. Sure, you can get me on my cell. That number is 979-820-7002. Russell, we appreciate you, and we'll talk with you on Thursday. Thank you, Larry. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And neighbor, goodbye to you for now. But we'll be back tomorrow right here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with another edition of Walk in the Pens. You're listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished sharply higher Monday. July hogs up 215, 9782. August up $1.72 at 9432. Class three milk was mixed. July milk up two cents, 1420 100 weight. Cotton market finished higher in Monday's trade. Adverse weather across the cotton belt, as well as continued support from Friday's acreage report supporting the market. That acreage report showing 11.1 million acres of cotton planted this year across the cotton belt. October cotton up 98 points, closing at 82.56. December cotton up 104 points at 81.41 cents. Corn market was mixed. Old crop was higher. New crop lower. Those new crop contracts feeling the pressure from more weekend rains across the corn belt and lower temperatures. We close with July corn up two and three quarters, 557 and a quarter. September corn down a half, 488. December corn down one and a quarter, 493 and a half. Lower close in the wheat market on Monday, September Kansas City wheat down three and a half, 796 and a half. September Chicago wheat down nine and a quarter, 641 and three quarters. In the energy markets, August natural gas down nine cents at 269. August West Texas crude down 72 cents, 69.92 a barrel. The financial market slightly higher Monday afternoon. The Dow was up 10 points, 34,418. The Nasdaq up 28, 13,816. The S&P up 5 at 4,455. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.